All right. We are live. Episode 46. I have Audrey Powell, Spice Grove, and I have Casey Luck, Luck and Company. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having us, Mark. Thank My you pleasure. so much. So excited. My pleasure. Uh, elephant in the room, folks. I have a blue hat on that I thought was pretty slick. Uh, and then now as I see it, it's very Dodger-ish. And being here in San Francisco area, this is just a, a no-no. But, but we're going to get into this show anyway. Audrey, we're talking Spice Grove. I actually just had one. Uh, didn't realize you had sent us some, so thank you. Give us a little bit of the story. When did it start? Thank you so much. I'm so glad that you received it, and I hope you're enjoying it. Um, so Spice Grove um, was born out of my love for my Jamaican culture. I actually grew up on a farm called Spice Grove, um, which is where the name derived from. And we formed officially in April of 2018. 2018. Is it just yourself or who, who, is, who is part of at least putting that together? So Spice Grove, I am the founding partner of Spice Grove. I do have advisors and a team of folks that help me to stay on track, if you will, um, because sometimes my ideas, they get all over the place. So I do have a team of advisors that I work with. And this may be jumping ahead, but I also have a team of family and friends who actually invested in my dream to get it going. We will get there. Um, let's talk about the first iteration. Uh, so you said this is something maybe from where you're from. Uh, give us a little details there. And then how did you start putting the first product together? Was it in a kitchen and where was that? So, Spice, so I'm from Jamaica, West Indies. And back home, especially in the Caribbean, we do have a, um, a drink that we love to have, which is a hibiscus drink. We call it sorrel in the Caribbean. And it's mainly um, a holiday, Christmas, New Year's kind of holiday drink where it has no shortage of rums. <laughs> you, know, you know, Caribbean folks, Jamaicans, we love to party. So this hibiscus drink, it, it's got a lot of rum. And it's more so a celebration, right? So it's a celebration of the Christmas and the New Year's. And I just love this flavor. So fast forward, I would buy it here in New York and you know, try to get the same flavor my mom used to make. But of course, it's like your mother's apple pie. Every family makes the best sorrel, right? So I started trying to make my own, like mimicking my mom's. And from there, I created my own recipe. Um, and I started serving it to friends and family. And they started saying to me, oh my God, you should truly have this on the market. But saying it and getting it to fruition is one thing, right? So I actually also started in my kitchen. So I was um, creating batches of, you know, 10 gallons in my kitchen. And at the time, my um, partner that I was living with, my domestic partner, he truly enjoyed it and encouraged me to really put it out on the market. So I literally was brewing this probably about six years ago in my kitchen. And then from there, 
I kind of, you know, started the whole process of benchmarking and working with scientists to get a recipe ready for market. And what did that look like? So if you take it now from the batches that you're making uh, and getting approval from family and friends, I always say get approval from them, but also definitely get approval from people you don't know. Uh, right. You know, as uh, anyway, I've got, got a bunch of jokes about that. Um, right. As far as now you move it and then looks, you know, you're in a glass, uh, in, a, in, a, in glass. So how do you grab, there you go. So how do you grab glass? How do you know where to get it? Um, how many do you put in a case pack? And then where is your first distribution point? Was it online or did you go to some local stores uh, in the area out east? Okay, so all the right questions and I, I'll try to keep in track with all of those. All good. Um, so yeah, so I started in my kitchen and I was definitely giving it to strangers. So um, people who I worked with, um, friends of friends, you know, and just kind of getting an idea of which flavor profile they liked the most. And so when I had a flavor profile that I was happy with and people were being very receptive to, I took that recipe to Rutgers Food Innovation Center and I worked with a food scientist there that helped me develop and hone in the recipe. Because one of the things that I came to find out is that you don't just write a recipe and take it for granted. People know how to, you know, this is going to pass the snuff test, if you will. So for example, measuring the density of water is something that I never thought about until when I did this. <laughs> you know, I don't even remember doing that in like chemistry classes, right? Um, so it's a very um, precise process in terms of getting the recipe down pat. So the Food Innovation Center at Rutgers University helped me to develop the recipe. Once I had that recipe developed, I sent it off to Cornell University, which is a processing center. And they pretty much test the recipe and give me what is called a scheduled process recipe. And that primarily I can take now because here in the New York, New Jersey area, we have very strict cottage laws. So I can't make a product in my home to sell to the public. Um, and so now I have this recipe, I could really go to market. So I started working um, in my previous life, I was a recruiter for creative services. So I recruited for designers and all these other advertising professionals. So I put it out in my network that I'm starting a beverage company. I'm looking for a brand, branding designer person. I don't have money to pay, but I am happy to give equity in the company. And this one young man, he responded to the ad and we spoke. I told him about my drink and what I wanted to capture. And he literally captured my vision. So we worked together to come up with the concept, the ideation, and then executing it, which is pretty much what you see here. Because um, the, the color, and you, if you've seen it, Mark, you've had it. So the color is just beautiful. And I wanted something that, could show the beauty of the drink. I know I wanted something that was sustainable and environmental friendly. So I knew I wanted a glass bottle. And I think it adds to also a premium level of quality that I was looking for. As far as the ingredients, if, if we just uh, jump into that, um, mm -hmm. there, there is some sort of, uh, uh, there's gotta be some sort of nutritional uh, advantage and, and, and things of that element. Um, I felt good drinking it. I mean, you know, I'm big into 
to health and, and the way that I eat. And I also noted, noticed maybe one had a little bit of higher sugar than the other, maybe. Um, what is in it and what are the benefits? Uh, I, again, will say when I was drinking it, I felt good about drinking it. I knew I was drinking something that was um, good for me. Uh, mm -hmm. It felt good. So give us a little sequence there. Nice, and that's a great segue um, to what I was going to say about this. The ingredients are all natural. So it's the hibiscus and lime peel, ginger, cinnamon, allspice, and it's boiled in filtered water. That's it. The sweetened one, it's sweetened with raw cane sugar, and the unsweetened is literally sugar-free, no sweetener whatsoever. Um, and tons of health benefits. I mean, if you research this product even on your own, I, I normally give out um, a little, you know, information card, and I think I put one in your package. And this is just some of the research, but tons of antioxidant in this product. Um, ginger is so good for inflammation. Um, vitamins and minerals, like these bottles have more vitamin C than an orange, you know? So it's, it helps to build and boost your immune system. So there's only really, like you said, good stuff. You feel healthy when you're having it. So I like to look at this drink as not only something that's really good for you to be having and even serving it to your family, but also, you know, it's a, it's a healthy drink, you know? So um, the ingredients, that was something that I really wanted to do because as I mentioned back home, we put a lot of rum in it. So it takes away from the health aspect, but I wanted a very clean drink. And this is a very clean drink. I'll tell you why I can't have rum, but that's going to be on a different, uh, a different episode uh, that uh, should not get out there. But that, that's for a separate story. Um, let's talk again. I dove quickly into about distribution. Uh, can you go into some stores locally there, and are you trying to do a direct-to-consumer route? Give us, give us the two models of where okay, you're sitting right now. Uh, yeah, that's one part that I missed in terms of. So when I started this product, my first um, avenue was going to my local gourmet shops, right? Um, at the time, I was actually living in New York. So literally just going in with my sales sheet, my products, exam, you know, samples, and asking to talk to a manager and just introducing myself. And the nice thing is people like to know you're local, right? So especially when you're going to smaller you know, mom and pop type um, establishments. So that's kind of how I broke into the, the, the retail space, the wholesale space. And I got a really good shop, um, Sahadi's, which is very known here in New York to have high-end gourmet products, very new, hot, dialed in type products. So I got it on the shelf at Sahadi's. So going to Green Grape and some other places was very easy to say, oh, Sahadi's carries it, you know? So now they want to say, okay, this is a dial-in retailer. Let's see what she's got. So, and then the most amazing thing, the magical um, thing was, this was before Corona, so I was able to do tastings. The product was moving off the shelf, not just when I was there doing tastings, but returning customers. So, which any retailer wants. So the product started going and that gave me momentum to start talking to other 
you know, establishments, because as I'm sure you've seen on the website, we're in over two dozen um, retailers here in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, and this is actually without having distribution. I don't have a distributor. I'm my own distributor, you know? So literally, as I like to say, bootstrapping it in terms of, you know, selling it out of the back of my car. I do farmer's market at this point. Um, this season, I'm running at least six farmer's markets. Um, I'm doing online sales, which maybe we'll talk about how the business has pivoted. Um, you know, since Corona and COVID is um, on us, but um, I have definitely seen the uptick in terms of the, the online, you know, sales now, now that I can't do tastings and the farmer's markets are, are kind of limiting. I think it's a, a great opportunity. Um, I talk about it often. You're in that phase where you're, you're trying to build um, as far as not just the brand, but getting sales going. And we're in such a unique time uh we, we you just have to talk about it you have to be real about it and honest with 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 ourselves right um you can't do the tasting you can't do demos the trial is going to be different people aren't going to start you going to a new brand without trying it um there's all of those things but you can still do the things that you know will work the farmer's market you can maybe go down to that local uh, uh, independent grocer who's going to give you an opportunity to put it on shelf. It is an immunity play. So it's definitely in the realm of where you need to be. So you're using that word a lot. Again, I say, I mean, I had it. You feel good drinking it and you know you're putting something good in your body and you need that at a time like that. You need it for all the time, but you need it now more than ever. Um, so in, in close, if you, if you would, what are gonna be the most important um, uh, disciplines for you over the course of the remainder of the year, maybe going into Q1? Give me like the two or three main things you're gonna focus on. So um, I guess the biggest thing I'm focusing on right now is adding um, other flavors to the, the profile. So I'm, I'm heavily working on developing other recipes other flavor profiles because going into Q1 next year, um, around February, I would like to launch another two or three flavors. Um, so, you know, three is definitely ambitious, um, but definitely at least two flavors into the Q. So that's kind of my focus right now. And of course, with the holidays coming up, I also want to, I've been working on different strategy because again, the market has changed, right? So I'm working on different strategy, for example, to partner with other small businesses like myself to do, let's say a gift basket of some sort where Spice Grove is included into that gift basket. Um, and thirdly, a couple of things that I'm also working on is more so getting you know, more focused in terms of where do we position ourselves, right? Are we positioning ourselves as a soft drink? Is, are we a tea? Are we like a healthy supplement? You know, so kind of owning my lane um, because I think over the last, you know, two years, two and a half years, you know, the drink falls into different categories. So where am I seeing the more, um, 
uh, hit rates, if you will, and how we position ourselves to really move into the future. I like it. Um, right away, I'm going to give you what I, I, I always say, my two pennies, they're often worth just that. They might even be worth less than that. I don't know. It's immunity. Yes. I would go all in. Casey, maybe he's going to bring us a little, a, little, uh, a little vibe here because I know she's in that game of, of you know, communication. It's immunity. I would be laser, laser focused on that. And we can talk offline. Um, Audrey, I like it. Spice Grove, I'm going to throw your info up uh, at the end of the show anyway. Uh, I appreciate having you on. Casey, Luck and Company, I think we're talking email marketing, I, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Commu you know, <laughs> communication. Uh, give us a little bit of the platform. What, what are you doing there, Luck and Company? And I might give a, a, a question or two because I, I really like that space. So, Let's, let's, let's jam it. Awesome. Sure. Uh, well, first I just wanted to mention real quick. I loved Audrey's story. Thank you so much for sharing it. It's so inspiring. Um, I work with e-commerce companies and direct to consumer brands like all day, every day. And as you can imagine, I'm thinking about starting one myself every day as well <laughs> after I'm done with this agency life. Um, so this was super educational. Uh, but for now I run Luck and Co agency. Um, we focus on conversion and retention for e-commerce companies through owned marketing channels specifically and mostly email but also sms and loyalty programs got it so uh, we are talking uh, communication you're talking about how to not only send one uh, piece of, of information but then probably some follow-up stuff right which is like now uh, all related to direct to consumer i would say uh, give us a couple tips, maybe. What do you think that is, what do you think goes on right now? What do you see since, especially since you're across this vertical of CPG, what do you think is the most commonly made mistake? Well, I would say it's not a mistake, but it is an oversight. And what I see happen a lot is that everybody is obsessing with acquisition. If we look at um, e-commerce marketing in general, everybody is hyper obsessed with acquisition, which is important and you do need it to drive traffic and get eyeballs on your website, but everyone is overlooking conversion and retention and everybody's pouring a lot of money into acquisition, into ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, driving traffic to their site. And then that traffic comes to their site, 3% convert. If they're really great, 5% convert and then 95% leave. And so um, a successful company. And that's something actually Audrey touched upon as well. She talked about retention and returning customers that customers come back and buy her drinks again. And so that's what I would like to see more companies focus on, um, you know, engaging with that visitor on that first visit and finding ways to keep touching upon with them and first convert them and then retain them and then turn them into a brand advocate. It is an important piece of the business. Uh, it's something that we're even doing a lot of right now as far as um, making moves on. Uh, we have like a whole game plan that's been in play for the last 90 days and, and it's just we're keep working on it and working on it because um, being able to touch a potential customer and then what would hope to be a customer at some point is hugely important right now. And then of course, how to retain them and um, how, to, how to make them a lifelong customer is, is the big play, right? Uh, and there's a lot of strategy around how to make that happen. Um, 
So good stuff. Uh, your info is there. Audrey's info is there. I appreciate having you both on. Peace. Thank you so much, Mark. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. It was awesome. Bye-bye.